Just let out your best existential scream. I live with other humans, so like I can do existential but quiet. Welcome to episode 19 of Sibling Friends. It's your big brother, Andrew. And your little sister, Bronwyn. And joining us today, we have a wonderful special guest joining us for our first Pride Month episode. The amazingly talented actor, phenomenal game designer, and overall queer extraordinaire. Please welcome Ash. Say hello. Hi. <laughs> I think I just embarrassed them. Sorry, I wasn't... I wasn't prepared for, like, that much praise. <laughs> I was gonna... <laughs> I was going to say, like, n- nobody who's listening to this can see what's happening, but on Zoom, Andrew sufficiently embarrassed Ash <laughs> with the praise. <laughs> it's it's cool. We're friends. As, as the three of us sit here on Zoom in our respective homes of Kitchener and Cambridge, uh, which is situated within Treaties 3, 4, and the Haldeman Treaty. We are reminded that these uh, surrounding lands are all the traditional homes of the Anishinaabe. Uh, who am I forgetting? Oh my goodness. Haudenosaunee. 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 I was like, oh, I'm blanking on a name. And neutral <laughs> peoples. Uh, we recognize and deeply appreciate their historic connection to this region, and we also recognize the contributions Indigenous peoples have made in shaping and strengthening this community. We are grateful for the opportunity to create on these lands together and reaffirm our commitment to truth and reconciliation in our community. And uh, before we jump into conversations for Pride Month with Ash, um, I do want to uh, just kind of tail off of our land acknowledgement there uh, with an acknowledgement of the news that came out of Kamloops, BC at the Kamloops Residential School where they found 215 bodies of Indigenous children. Um, And I just want to make a comment with regards to the stuff that I've been seeing as a pretty vocal activist on all of my platforms. One of the things that I have noticed is that white people, in particularly white women, have been really bad culprits for vocally expressing and like loudly expressing um, shock and surprise at this news coming uh, out of Kamloops. And I and I I need to give a reminder to my fellow white people, (laughs) that this shock is harmful. It is okay that you did not learn this. Well, I mean, it's not okay that you didn't learn this, but it's not your fault that you did not learn this in school. But the fact that you are only just learning about it now when Indigenous people have been talking about this and telling us about this, that this exists and that this is a problem for so long it means that you have been ignoring it or just not paying attention. And so when you collectively share your shock out in the open, you are re- you are contributing to the re-traumatization of Indigenous people who have to relive this and all of the generational trauma that comes with it every single time this news breaks. They have to watch us be shocked every single time as though they haven't been telling us forever. <laughs> And, and it really contributes to that harm and just perpetuates the reality that when we can't see it right in front of our face as white people, we don't care about it and we shove it under the rug. We have this very 
narrow view of what Canada is because we have been indoctrinated into this system of belief in Canada that we are nicer and better and just a, a great place to be. And when people say, this isn't the Canada that I'm proud of, I have to tell you, this is the Canada that you're proud of. This is part of it. And you need to stop shoving it under the rug. And so until you can acknowledge that, you are going to keep perpetuating the harm. So I am asking, I am pleading with any white person who is listening to this, even if you are shocked and this is new information, you need to process that quietly and on your own. And then you need to educate yourself. And the first way to be, the best way to be able to do that education for yourself is to take the time to read through the Truth and Reconciliation Act and all of the associated documents, which is on the website. We will link it when we share this episode. It's going to be a long read, but it's an important one. And I have committed to this myself because I realized that I have not read it yet and I absolutely should have. Um, and I think we all need to as a first step towards our own participation and reconciliation. So um, that's the piece that I wanted to say. I want to acknowledge this. I also want to say to any Indigenous listeners, I, I am so sorry that you are having to relive this trauma right now and that you are having to grieve so openly about this and that there is so much white apathy. And I am committed to doing my part to call other white people into this conversation as long as it takes. If I can just add on to that as a, as a point directed at white listeners, um, you know, this is a, I've been invited on for a series of podcasts about pride and different experiences of pride. And I think as qu queer people, we all have experiences where we're telling someone about something um, terrible that has happened to us, some act of emotional or actual violence. Um, and often when we're telling those stories, straight people or cis people will be shocked shocked and as queer people we know how much that sucks and what a terrible experience that is and so you know we shouldn't need to do this to be better allies to indigenous people but definitely kind of think about the ways that you hate people responding to you relating your experiences of queer phobia and then don't do those things to indigenous people but also more specifically than just educating yourself you know, uh, this is Pride Month, but it's also Indigenous History yes, Month. Uh, this is a great time to buy books by Indigenous authors, mm -hmm. to buy art by Indigenous artists, to make donations to Indigenous organizations. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and specifically, like if you have, uh, you know, there, there are intersections, obviously, within, uh, within Indigenous culture and two spirit and being two spirit and being part of LGBT community. So if, you know, if you want to find something to contribute to that, you know, contains both of those things, then, then seek out Indigenous organizations and donate to the Indigenous organizations that specifically speak to LGBT issues within Indigenous communities. Um, there are some, I can look some up and make sure that we link some, but just make sure that you are, yeah, it's not just, and Ash is completely right, it's not just about educating yourself, it is about doing the work. And part of that is process your own shock and silence, educate yourself, and then donate. If you have the means to donate, donate. If you don't have the means to mm -hmm. donate, make sure that you are calling other white people into this conversation so that we are not having to continually do this. 
And I, I, sorry, just one yeah, more thing. Sure. Um, maybe not necessarily processing your shock in silence, but process your shock with other white people. Yes. Right. Yes. Um, it's just because we shouldn't be shocked doesn't mean that those feelings aren't real yeah. when they come up. And sometimes it can be difficult to process without talking with other people. So find some white folks who are kind of in your same boat yeah. and be like, can we just process these feelings together? Totally. Yeah. Thank you for clarifying that actually. Cause uh, yeah, I'm sorry. In my head, I'm totally thinking social media wise, but yeah, no, yeah. in general, always yeah. process with other people, but make sure it's the right people, other white people who are feeling the same way and then don't Absolutely. dwell on it. Process the shock and move forward mm -hmm. with action. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So yeah. to that effect, you can expect that we will be simultaneously celebrating Pride Month while also celebrating Indigenous History Month uh, in as many ways as we can throughout this month and throughout this podcast. So look forward to all of that. And also, uh, this is 100% why I, I brought Ash, their uh, friend of mine from the theater world. Uh, and <laughs> very clearly, they are the same kind of... <laughs> activist, social justice-minded individual as Bronwyn and I are. So I was like, you're a brilliant <laughs> fit. Guess what? Uh, I, I am white. Yes. So yes. important note. Yes, important note. But, we are all very, very pale. But yes, otherwise uh, a filthy SJW. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just heard that That's in my me. head. Uh, and I know, Ash, you're not typically on TikTok, but I heard it from that one girl who's the creator and shares all of like the plant knowledge on TikTok, but she's like, I do this stuff because I'm a filthy vegan, but you can use whatever you <laughs> oh, have yeah. in your fridge. So I just heard that as filthy SJW. I'll take it. <laughs> that account is amazing. She's, she's, um, she's a black woman and she's very like, she, she's a vegan, but she's so open about the fact that like, she understands that a lot of vegans are super trash and stuff like, <laughs> and that veganism isn't necessarily ethical. And like, you know, like, and so I love that she does that because yeah, she says it on like every TikTok where she talks about veganism in any way. She's like filthy vegan. It's the best. It's, but it's also she's just like insanely knowledgeable about plants and like ever like the basic plants you yes. will find around your neighborhood and how they actually can functionally be used in cooking and stuff. And, and I believe will... she's actually certified through like, learn talk so if you look up like hashtag learn talk she is oh, yeah. one of the prominent creators Amazing. for it andrew will send me some of her one of some of her tiktoks and be like so should we do this when i move in oh yeah the <laughs> lavender cookies yeah. and i'm like I, yes i have to confess ignorance because i am a professional content marketer and i know just enough about the operational security of tiktok to make sure that it's never going on my phone <laughs> that is totally fair <laughs> yeah that's fair I, I should care more, but um, I don't. <laughs> uh, look, it's it's the pandemic. I'm not judging anybody's media consumption habits during the pandemic. Oh, totally. I mean, it's a personal thing, right? If you know the risks yeah. and you... Like, I, <laughs> for me, TikTok has... I started it because it was fun. And I realized that it's actually been a really incredible educational tool and activist tool. So I'll take it. I mean, my phone has all of... Every, anybody that is listen, trying to listen in to my life already has all my information. So <laughs> this is why I always preface things when I'm talking to friends now about like, I know that it's been debunked. The phones are listening. Like they use data to get your enough information about you, but still I always make this joke. I'll, I'll be like, Oh, these people are making me think murder. And then I'll be like, for legal reasons, this is a joke in case anybody's listening. <laughs> hey, hey, Bill Gates. Um, <laughs> 
Anyway. <laughs> Anyways, we'll move on. All right. Ash, we brought you on as a guest. Uh, why do you not tell our audience, our, our listenership here, a little bit uh, about you? And you can start wherever. Bronwyn's boss started literally from where she was born last time and went from there. So however you Great. want to run it. <laughs> Okay, uh, I am, for those of you who are not familiar with me, uh, I am, uh, oh god, I have too much of the acronym, a queer non-binary trans person. Currently, I am the marketing coordinator for Spectrum, but I am speaking extremely with that hat in a different part of the house. Even these comments (laughs) are just me and my experiences. Um, I have been Uh, a Canadian for since 2006 so 15 years as of May uh yeah that's kind of wild I grew up in Ohio uh really conservative Catholic um so deep in the closet I didn't know it existed um so that was fun and uh I came out as non-binary in 2016 and then spent another four years trying not to be trans um that didn't that didn't work out so well for me. Uh, <laughs> along the way, I collected a couple other letters as well, uh, since I am uh, ace and biromantic. So, uh, and I'm also neurodivergent. So I just, you know, in 2021, it's an exhausting level of queer to be. I would like to put approximately 25% of it back. Um, <laughs> yeah. I feel like that would be a manageable <laughs> level of queer. Um, in addition to my work with Spectrum, though, I've just also been a filthy SJW online since about 2012. I used to be a feminist games blogger um, before I stopped because the internet is terrible. And um, I've been publishing tabletop role-playing games since 2008. Anything I've written newer than about five years is just gay. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I know Andrew from doing theater. Yeah. Uh, so I, I have many competing microfames, but they are all very small. Uh, but also <laughs> equally fantastic. Like you, you are a a brilliant actor on stage. You jump into character oh, roles phenomenally. Um, I you you know uh, prior to uh, identifying as trans, we initially did it uh, show together, and you were non-binary. And uh, thankfully, our director was super super cool and went for uh, non gendered specific roles so you ended up playing the role of adolfo pirelli in sweeney todd with me as gender fluid that was so fun it was and i got awesome you i got murdered on stage and weirdly that was my favorite part <laughs> <laughs> I love that. but you also just crushed the character your your ability to oh, throw out you. accents uh and just kind of switch around is bar none because then we did the next show together and we did evil dead and you were jake and <laughs> did the whole hillbilly thing so <laughs> yeah you have done that and i've uh, also read some of one of your tabletop rpgs because you lent me the book uh and yep. it is incredibly well crafted so oh thank you uh you know filthy commercial uh, capitalism uh moment i am i'm so close to wrapping up the layout of my current um, extremely gay game uh, called Our Traveling Home that is um, my love letter to Howl's Moving Castle and it is about happy queer romance and found family. Yeah, it's... I I have written extremely gay games for a long time, but this is definitely the gayest and I'm very excited to 
it, it's going to the printer soon, so that'll be That's nice. amazing. Also, just like, yay for happy queer stories. It shouldn't be so hard pre, to get them. <laughs> Pre-pandemic, I used to write some, like, pretty heavy stuff. Uh, one of my games was called Factory Reset, and it was, like, about, you know, hey, in Star Wars canon, androids are supposed to have their memory erased every six months to keep them from developing a personality. So what happened if you're just, like, robots in a maintenance facility waiting to have your memory erased and, like, lots of you had not had that routinely done? Wouldn't that be terrible? And then you play that. So that's... <laughs> and, and then the pandemic happened, and I was like, I need happy games. <laughs> I, you know what? Okay, so I... To add to my <laughs> comment, I think... I do not um, have any problem with queer people writing negative queer stories because it is how we process our traumas around being queer and navigating the world as For queer sure. and whatnot. But I have a major problem with the amount of um, cishet writers who write stories about LGBT who cannot like be together in the end or somebody dies or something like it's just it, it I don't like it. <laughs> it needs to stop. <laughs> the listeners can't see me making crazy eyes at my camera yeah. right now, but yeah, hard cosign. Yeah. <laughs> so, Ash, why don't you tell us a little bit? Um, you know, you when we first met, you explained your working your way through the LGBTQ community in a very specific way. Can you <laughs> can you reiterate for the audience how exactly you phrased that to me? <laughs> Yes. Okay. So I often joke that I have Pokemon as much of the acronym as possible. I I have I I think I figured it out at one point, and I think I have the most number of letters that it is possible for one person to have. Unless I was, mm, I could be intersex. So that's but I'm I'm one shy. Uh, anyway, yes. Hi. Um, so as I mentioned uh, in the intro, uh, I grew up very conservative. Catholic Ohio and wasn't aware that non-binary was a thing that you could be until 2016. But like my queerness journey kind of happened in stages. Um, prior to 2016, um, I realized that I was ace. It wasn't a thing that really kind of mattered because I uh, have been married for a long time, 19 years in a month. Uh, so yeah, it, like, it didn't, it was like, oh, ace, that's a, that's a thing I am. Okay. But I, like, I, I still denied, like, being queer at that point, because there's so many people who are like, well, ace people aren't queer. Ace people oh, are actually straight. <laughs> yeah, so that, that kind of yeah. made me question my queer status. And then when I was kind of coming to terms with being non-binary, that was a long protracted struggle. And I was still like, well, if I wasn't queer when I was ace. I'm definitely not queer now. Looking back at my blogging, it's kind of hilarious uh, the number of times I felt the need to explain, well, as a, because I am a cisgender woman, you know, it's like, cisgender people don't like continually say that things are because of their gender that much. Um, but yeah. Um, and coming out as non-binary even in 2016 was really hard because like awareness was yeah almost nothing but you know finally did that then after that it was realizing i was biromantic <laughs> that one was actually difficult that, you know when you're when you're someone who is demisexual you have an ex extremely small number of data points yes. so like 
prior to that, I was just like, I'm only attracted to cis men. And then I discovered that that, that also includes butch lesbians. And I was like, well, <laughs> damn it. Um, so now I'm biromantic. Did that realization... Did that ha realization happen during Sweeney Todd? Was that when you were processing all that? Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and like, literally my reaction was, great, now I have another flavor of Invisible Queer, um, because I'm married to a cis yeah. dude, right? Oh, and, no. like, um, at the time, I was still using binary pronouns, uh, and even though I present slightly more mask, but, like, really the only big change in my presentation from then to now is, like, I yeeted my tits. So it's the best way to say like, that. <laughs> yeah, but like still like, so I have an eight year old and I never, I mean, people don't gender non-binary people correctly, but we always get gendered as a straight cis couple when I'm out with my, my husband and my daughter, um, which is frustrating. Yeah. And my, uh, my husband's also bisexual. So like we are queer AF. But, like, when we're out in the world, it's like, oh, well, those two parent people, so that must not be, you know, whatever that person is. They're obviously a woman because... Anyway. So, yeah, that was that was a whole process. But, like, yeah, my big, you know, when I realized I was biromantic, I was like, okay, damn it. And then it wasn't until, God, about five minutes before lockdown happened, I realized I was trans. Like literally <laughs> and then the world ended uh but even then like the harder part about that was my first reaction was actually like fear of other queer people yeah especially like because i've done so much you know my publishing work is very online and um, my blogging work is very online so i have a very big presence online and um trans people are awful to each other on Twitter. Like, man, um, if you're a trans creator on Twitter, like, who? So yeah, there was a lot of fear around that. So, you know, witness Pride 2021, I am the most salty about uh, Pride because I am one of the bad wrong queers, you know, in this, this online disc horse. And for those listening, you can't hear that I am saying the emojis disc and horse because that's how much I hate <laughs> online discourse. I heard it just because I literally saw your post today that you did the emojis with. That's how much I hate it. Uh, but the online discourse uh, about Pride has been, you know, about all the bad queers that we don't want at Pride. And that's always me, you know. Um, this year, they're kind of weaponizing ace people against uh, kinksters uh, by saying, well, sex-repulsed asexuals deserve to feel included at Pride. But it's like, my dudes, last year you were literally saying that ace people are actually autistic. So keep ace people out of your mouth. Thanks. You know, the number of times I've been called cis-presenting or being told that I've, I'm in a straight-passing relationship, which... You know, BT dubs, thanks for simultaneously invalidating my gender yeah. and my orientation. Because, like, straight passing implies that I am not really the gender that I say that I am. So cool. Thanks. Great. Yeah. I, I have a number. <laughs> I have a number of bi and ace friends who all have this thing where we've been told that we're not really queer. We're not queer enough to be in queer spaces. Um, and so I just... 
uh, and and even even trans is like you know like a fairly mainstream queer identity, but you know um, when you're trans non-binary, there are binary. T so okay, trans non-binary is not a third gender between man and woman. So let's clarify that when I say trans non-binary, I just mean literally every other gender who also identifies as trans, just to avoid that confusion. But um, I've heard binary trans people say that they don't want to share spaces with trans non-binary people. Um, they only feel safe with other binary trans people or with cisgender queers. I've had cisgender, actually uh, cisgender white lesbians are really bad for this. Oh yeah. Um, cisgender white lesbians uh, just straight up tell me yeah. that I, I am like non-binary people are erasing femmes and that we are the problem with queer spaces. Oh my God. So, um, I'm just the inter like I personally <laughs> am the intersection of all of these like you know the manifestations of lateral violence that always come out during pride. Yes, lateral violence is exactly what I was just thinking. Like there's so much one yeah. of the things Yeah. like yeah. <laughs> anyway, sorry. I don't mean to like interrupt but I'm just yes. <laughs> no, I was I was just going to say it sucks. Yeah. Uh so, you know, I I end up uh, and it's weird working for Spectrum right now because, you know, I was mentioning uh, before we started recording that, like, early this morning, I was like, all right, I'm going to do my salty why I hate pride <laughs> rant. And then I have to put all those feelings in a box and do marketing for Spectrum and be like, yay, pride. Yeah. Okay, day's over. <laughs> Boo pride. Um, yeah. And it's, it's weird. I have these, like, simultaneously competing feelings about how I hate pride, but I also just really love watching people freak out about rainbow capitalism uh like you put a rainbow on this thing that has nothing to do with queerness so now i'm gonna lose my mind uh, i do enjoy that so i i feel like the the, the sentiments you're putting out here uh, with regards to not being as visibly queer is such a commonly echoed sentiment across the board. I have heard so many people, um, I've got a, a couple of mine that live up the street and the husband recently came out as bisexual and wife ended up being super cool with it. Uh, and it's an open thing between the two of them. They actually mm -hmm. have like the most amazing open conversations between the two of them. And they actually got involved with tri pride and then ended up having to step back because at one point they wanted to go and represent tri pride for an event because they were both available and free. And they basically got told that by them going, it wouldn't look like it was tri pride there because it was a male female couple. Uh, I want to I want to eat everyone who judges people who they think don't belong at Pride into the sun, um, because that stuff is not cool. Um, because the thing about you know like the concept of being visibly queer, well, think about how many assumptions you are imposing onto people. And like, I am someone who, if you're paying any amount of attention, is extremely visibly trans. My presentation is just v gay i have very short hair i've had top surgery you know i wear men's clothing uh when i am shopping when i am shopping i have masks that have they them on my face and i wear buttons that say not a woman and i still get people who are like yeah can you help us, oh lady? my god 
Uh, and like every time. And here's the thing: uh, or I get I'm mad. not surprised by it, but it's just so enraging. It just like uh, anyway. And the other day, I got mammed eight times while I was buying a burrito, and I was like, "Thanks," you know. So. I am someone who is very visibly trans, and even then, like, people will not read me. Like, like I literally have the words on my face and my chest. Like, and people will still not take me for who I am. So the level of, like, you don't belong at Pride, no. You know, and I'm going to quote myself from Twitter this morning. If you are the kind of queer person who celebrates Pride while also shaming other people who show up for pride then you are not proud of being queer what you're proud of is assimilating and having a difference that is exploitable by capitalism anyone who shows up at pride we should just be like cool welcome to pride man like good job you made it great um because the other thing is there's so many people who aren't safe in their daily lives to present the way that they want to present. Yeah. But being at Pride is a chance for them to kind of, you know, vicariously experience some of that. And so it's also like, you know, you're also making judgments based on like your assumptions about like what their partner means and your assumptions based on their presentation. But like, you also don't know like their life circumstances. Um, there's, there's lots of folks who either aren't safe to present the way that they want to or, um, don't have access to the resources that they would need to transition or um, even folks who are questioning. Like, it was a really long, hard, painful process for me to figure out that I was non-binary um, because no one ever told me that was a thing that existed. And yeah, I like at the beginning of that, I still was very like, am I queer? Lateral violence from other queer people like made my transition years longer, you know, whereas like, <laughs> It could have been so much easier if I didn't constantly have people telling me, well, you're not actually queer. It's to the point that, um, so a friend of mine who ironically is also named Bronwyn, um, <laughs> early on in my like wild journey of queer self-discovery, you know, I was like, well, am I queer? I don't think I'm queer. Am I though? And they were like, so I was saying, well, I don't think I'm really queer. And uh, Bronwyn said to me, uh, congratulations. Uh, you have just taken the queer oath of the, the queer oath of office. You are now officially queer. No take backs. Um, the queer oath of office is saying that you're not actually queer yeah. compared to other queer people. Yeah, it totally is. And uh, I now just do that to all my bisexual friends every time I catch them being like, "Well, I'm bi. I'm not really queer." I'm like, "No, <laughs> queer oath of office, bitch." <laughs> that is fantastic yeah that's that's it's quite the experience and like i know you and i have had lengthy discussions in the past because mm -hmm. we'd carpool together to and from <laughs> rehearsals so we had lots of fun discussions about things um and i i like i you've had so many unique experiences uh, both within the cishet world and the entirety of the mm -hmm. queer community um that it's just it i'm always fascinated hearing your stories because it's something i don't experience it's a hundred percent the side of both communities that i don't see and i know mm -hmm. they exist and it just it it helps me process that much more 
that these things are out there. It helps me try to keep an eye out for them because I hear what you're saying and I go, okay, no, no, that's not okay. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 I find it incredibly valuable as a cisgendered homosexual basic level gay uh, to, <laughs> you're to a level one gay. I am. I'm a level Hello. one. Like when you when you start the game and you got that basic cloth armor, um, that that's that's what I am. You're the uh, like killing rats in the city sewers gay. Exactly. I have yet to earn that plus for the premium. Oh man. <laughs> Oh man, uh, I'm I'm definitely like not like a legendary god tier gay, but I'm definitely like, uh, yeah, like like end game material. Uh. I'm definitely I've gotten to the end game. I won't say that I've like maxed out the end game, but I've gotten to the end game. And for any of you who are gamer nerds at home, I hope you just appreciated that the entirety of that analogy. Uh, but yeah, it's like it's. It's so helpful to hear these things because it just makes it so much easier to identify. And it's so in the same swing though, like I feel awful having to rely on Mm -hmm. you recounting your circumstances in order to make that more visible, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I feel you. It's definitely a thing that like, I mean, like we said at the top of the show, like go educate yourself, use, use a Google. Um, But at the same time, like, well, for one thing, I mean, we're friends. So I like, there's definitely a level of I don't mind having those conversations with friends. But also, like, I recognize that I have, you know, uh, there's different areas of your life where you have privilege and where you don't have privilege. Um, I have a lot of privilege that lots of trans folks don't have. I have a partner who is fine with me being trans. Uh, That is not the case for a lot of people who come out very late into committed monogamous relationships. Uh, whereas, you know, my husband was like, okay, well, you know, you were fine. Uh, but you know, my husband was bi. So like, that was, um, a thing that was okay. I also have secure employment. I own my own house, you know, so I, I have Mm -hmm. a lot of, um, uh, safety in my relationships and economic safety, um, to be able to be public about these aspects Mm -hmm. of my life, um, and to um, you know, someone who, as someone who, um, is a creative person and specifically mm-hmm. like, um, I joke about being a social justice bard more than a social justice warrior. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, yeah. I used to be a social justice barbarian, uh, in my late twenties, but, uh, I'm too tired for that. <laughs> <now>. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I, I think there's a lot of value in recognizing that, I'm able to kind of have these conversations because I have privilege that gives me the ability to take on that emotional labor of, you know, uh, all right, folks, pull up a chair. I'm going to break down some of my trauma for you all to educate the straights. Um, (laughs) yeah, it's, it's something, it's, it's something that I like to be able to do, um, because I want I want people to understand, mm-hmm. but also like, I want the people who come after me to not make it to the age of 35 before they find out that there's more than two genders. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think um, that would be nice. I, I mean, I think the piece is you, yes, we do have to educate ourselves. Um, but 
Part of that is listening to lived experiences and understanding that every experience is different. And we do that when we have friends who bring forward stories to us or people that are being more vocal about them, um, even if we're not friends with them, but like activists and, and, and um, content creators who speak to their experiences being trans or being non-binary or being like any part of um, a, like a marginalized group. And um, the problem comes when we refuse to listen to those experiences as they're being handed to us and then also don't educate ourselves. <laughs> so that's the moment where it's like, hmm, Google is free. I'm not going to continue to give my emotional labor to somebody who's not going to listen. Mm -hmm. um, and there, so like there is definitely a difference between f friends who are willing to share these experiences because like, I, like I am, um, I'm totally cool when my friends ask me uh, th very specific things about being a lesbian. Uh, they, they generally are always like, I hope this is okay, but I'm curious. And I'm like, it's cool. Let me share, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. um, the, I guess the line that would be crossed would be if somebody is constantly asking me to do that labor, right? Like they're always asking me these mm -hmm. questions there. It's always about like, me like the, the the power indifference becomes they're always trying to get me to educate them like that's where it becomes different but I'm totally cool asking or like answering questions I want my friends to ask if they're unsure especially seeing as I am a very privileged <laughs> white lesbian who came from a very positive religious family um you know like I had a really I have I have had an experience in the queer world that most people have not and, and mm -hmm. so if, if I can help answer questions for people, um, with the privilege that I have, acknowledging the privilege that I have, then great, <laughs> you know? I mean, to respond to some of that, um, firstly about people who ask for too much of your time, I always tell people my consulting rate when that yeah. starts happening. Uh, yes. and it's amazing how fast they vanish. Um, <laughs> They just, the moment money's involved, they're like, no, I've no, no, I don't. I, it needs never to be had anyone take me up on it. Um, <laughs> I did have uh, a dude. God. So gamers are terrible. Yes. Um, I had a dude email me recently. Um, and I posted screenshots from his email uh, cause, uh, on Twitter because it was like Hall of Fame level. Um, he wanted to tell me why I was incorrect about a blog post about a and d supplement that I'd written five years ago. <laughs> and he like literally tried to assign me homework. No. Mm -mm. Of like, here's a list of TED Talks and like also like, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. This uh, it, it, gamer men, man, what can I tell you? Oh so God, yeah. Uh, yeah, I just, I just was like, not only am I not going to answer your email, I'm going to like post screenshots on yeah. Twitter and make fun if of you. If you have the audacity um, to do, to do shit like that, then you deserve to be blasted on social yeah. media. I'm sorry. Not you know, sorry. but like to a certain <laughs> level though, I think um, specifically with non-binary people, I think the reason we make a lot of people uncomfortable is because making yourself knowledgeable about non-binary issues requires really confronting your internal biases in a way that like in a way that feels different and really uncomfortable um compared to you know like getting used to someone like you know like it's not new anymore if someone's like a lesbian you know like well i'm okay i know what that means mm -hmm. i'm a gay man i know what that means you know um i'm bisexual 
there's resistance to that, but like no one's going to be like, what does that mean? You know, uh, but with non-binary, making people like asking people to like educate themselves and be knowledgeable is literally asking them, you need to confront y'all cis people how much you gender strangers um you know and like the stories that i told at the top of the show about getting nammed eight times while i'm getting a burrito um or you know having my pronouns on my face and having people be like yeah can you help this lady that is something that all cis people do uh and i know because i have also had to deprogram myself because you don't get to the age of 35 realize you're non-binary and not have like a truckload of that that you also have to dismantle yourself but really just the biggest thing is stop gendering strangers because you don't you don't know you and it's 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 so like some days i'm able to laugh about it you know some days i'm able to be like wow eight times in two minutes that's a new record but like other days it's really, really frustrating because there are days when I have to do the grocery shopping and I'm like, if I get mammed, I'm going to punch someone in the goddamn face. So I will wear my gayest shirt. I wear like, you know, I'll be like, all right, how can I look the most gay? And then I wear my pronoun mask and then I wear my they them pin and I wear my not a woman pin and I still and then it still happens. And it like I just end up feeling so defeated. Like, what's the point? Why am I even trying if like all of the signaling in the world isn't enough to get people to take me seriously well and i've seen stories too that you've posted even like your daughter's school oh yeah like that <laughs> that is something where like you have a child involved and like you can't even start to teach the kids if you're not willing to take that on yourself and like you've told countless stories mm-hmm. i've seen online of them misgendering you dead naming you like, well that the, the dead naming only happened once uh it was an ece who intentionally dead named me in front of some children and uh i reported that so fast uh and that was dealt with very quickly um so the response to that situation was appropriate but yeah i do get misgendered a lot you know like at the end of the day so in the before times at the end of the day i would come to pick up my kid uh from the after school program and you know um, the ECEs are watching like 15 kids or whatever. So they're very distracted, but they're like, oh, uh, you know, child's name, uh, mom's here. And it's like, and part of that is because of bias that is literally imposed by the province. Um, so the parent records that the school keeps, the software is actually chosen by the province and there's no, it's just a, it's just a radio box, male, female. So there's a note on my file that says not binary, but someone has to open my file in order to see that. Uh, and there's no there's no record thing for pronouns. Um, so there's literally no way for me to signal. Uh, and I'm not going to like, you know, after a long day, I'm not going to get salty with some underpaid ECE because, you know, they're going with the information that's on their log sheet. Right. But that's like another example of how like that bias is literally imposed by our province. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Dougie. Uh-huh. Um, that's that's oh, yeah, a separate d- don't rant, get me started. Yeah, um, <laughs> you know, or even like today, I asked, uh, I asked my daughter, um, "Have you ever done an activity for Pride?" Uh, and she was like, 
No, I don't think so. Uh, she's eight and a half. Um, so she's definitely an unreliable narrator. She forgets things that she's done five minutes ago. But at the same time, like, she's actually, like, you know, in her um, virtual art lessons, she'll be like, oh, I'm going to do this trans flag colors, or I'm going to do this non-binary colors. So she's very, like, open about, you know, you know, having this as a thing. But yeah, it just, they don't ever... They don't ever talk about it or every year uh when she gets a new teacher i do the same thing over and over again of yes hi hello hi uh i am non-binary and every year the teacher's like not upset but they're like okay hi nice to meet you i don't know what that means and you know i've been told by the administrator of her school like uh oh we don't have any trans or non-binary kids at our school and it's like <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah sorry i'm laughing because bronwyn made a face um <laughs> yeah uh yeah and it's like no statistically you yeah. do you know i had to now unfortunately we don't have census data like this was literally the first time this year um that gender uh assigned at birth was asked as a question uh on the census um and we won't so we won't have that information until next year probably but you know i i pulled together all of the you know, various studies and, and whatnot and everything that I could do, you know, professionally for my job to do a best guess. Uh, and I figure a very conservative estimate of about 7.5% uh, was like a reasonable estimate. That's that's like really lowballing it, but like it's enough to be like, it's definitely at least this many people. So in our, our area, the Tri-City area, the region of Waterloo, that would be close to 40,000 people given our 2019 uh, population of over 600,000. So, you know, it's like at that point, you know, in a school of 250, 300 children for the school administrator to tell me with a completely straight face, you know, and I want to be clear, like she wasn't being malicious. Yeah, no. She was being clueless. Yeah. Like it wasn't a, like, mm. we don't, yeah. you know, it wasn't like, this isn't the Catholic board we're talking about. No. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, the Catholic board. <sighs> we'll, we'll touch yeah. on that after. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Uh, I, I'm an ex-Catholic as well, so that was just some <laughs> side. Yeah, um, but it wasn't. It wasn't like no one is allowed to be trans or non-binary here. It was just like, oh, we don't have any, you know. And it's like, but statistically, yes. you do. And so it's it's just really heartbreaking. It is. I, I really struggle with. Okay, I've got I've got several thoughts, and my ADHD brain is trying to string them together. So. <laughs> Work. Sorry, that was a lot. To no, 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 it's okay. Things. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I'm really glad that you shared all that. Um, uh, okay, two thoughts. Let's see if I don't forget them. Um, I think we have this, we have this collective just belief still that to be queer is only like a very small percentage of people. And, and I see this constantly with, like, arguments that happen around, like, oh, a new movie's coming out with queer characters. And people are like, oh, the, the queer couple doesn't end up to be, doesn't end up together in the end. It's tragic. Like, can't we have more representation? And the comment section turns into a, for the percentage of people who are actually queer, this is enough 
representation. And I'm just sitting here going, no, the fuck it's not. The amount of people who don't even know yet that they're queer because there's such a lack of representation. Yes. The, the amount of middle fingers happening on camera right now. Yeah. Cause like, so it's many. Just, because it's just this, like <laughs> we have this belief that being, that queerness is this very specific other thing. But if we didn't, view gender the way that we do if we weren't so indoctrinated into this binary gender system which is completely garbage um and harms everybody like gender binaries harm everybody <laughs> okay so uh uh i i'm sorry i have to break in That's okay. so not only does the gender binary suck uh it's also literally a tool of white supremacy yes it is uh yes gender binaries have existed or sorry Genders outside the binary have existed for thousands of years in cultures around the world. Canada, we were just talking at the top of the show about Indigenous history. Um, Two-Spirit Canadian, uh, Indigenous Canadians is actually a really good example of a tradition of gender that was literally violently taken away from Indigenous people. Yeah. And that has happened all over the world. So this whole, like, it's a new thing. No, it's not. Not only is the gender binary shitty gender wise, but it's also just racist. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. The other Thank thing is this idea of like, oh, well, we have queer representation. No, cis queer people have representation. Yes. Base base level gays, <laughs> right? Brown, brown, not yeah, like the. Uh, <laughs> I don't mean this in a pejorative way, but the level one gays that we were talking about. Um, fair, but like, <laughs> there's. There's no ace representation. Uh, there's there's no... God. Uh, okay, bi representation exists, but it is bad. Because uh, it's all like... I'm cheating because I'm bisexual, or I'm inherently distrustworthy because I'm bisexual, or I'm a slut because I'm bisexual, you know. Uh, and for all of those, substitute pan as well. They're, um, uh, you know, there is some trans female representation but a lot of it's bad and a lot of it isn't even trans women um there's no trans ma uh, male representation there's no representation of trans men does not exist but even then like the level of not existing for trans men it's like people are aware of maybe that this is a thing that should happen sometimes but like for non-binary like someone asked me the other day who my favorite non-binary characters were uh and this was pre season three of discovery um and i was like i don't have one uh all of my non-binary characters that i love are people that i have like head canoned uh but even then it's like okay so they're all robots aliens or shapeshifters like non-binary people never get to be human so, you know, you have the non-binary character on Shira, who is a shapeshifter and also just a liar. So that was fun. Um, and then it's it's just like, well, in my head, I've just like, you can't tell me that Data understands gender. He doesn't understand anything about humanity. But like, sure, he understands gender and he definitely has feelings that he is one thing when he like can't understand jokes. All right. Yeah, sure. Um, but yeah, th like non-binary representation does not exist so yeah for for the folks who are like you know like well queer representation exists well maybe for your kind of queer it's very limited. it's extremely limited and it's 
also from a filthy capitalism standpoint, it, I just want Hollywood to realize that I will throw all of my money yeah. at gay projects. Yeah. Like, is it gay? Yes. Oh my God. Then have my money. I ask this all the time. I'm like, Shut where up and are the gays? Where are the, where, where are the queers? <laughs> I went on Twitter the other day and I was like, all right, people, television series that have gays that get to be gay on screen and then don't die. And then people were literally like, have you seen Shira? Have you seen Sense8? That was five years ago. Well, and that, are you kidding me? And that aren't the L word. <laughs> the amount of people that bring up the L word, and I'm like, even the renewed one, like it's 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 only predominantly white, thin, cis lesbians. <laughs> yeah. It is only representing a very specific and predominantly, except for one character, predominantly femme lesbians. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's it's with a super yeah, problematic a character in the original series. <laughs> Actually, several, several super problematic characters. So that's a big part of the reason why uh, the games that I write are gay. Yeah, that's awesome. I need, yeah. to, I need to get more into, into RPGs because I want to play these. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, oh, oh, um, I remembered my other thought that I forgot earlier. Woohoo! Yay! Hey, okay. Yeah. So one of the going back to what you were saying about um, how every cis person, um, myself included, uh, makes the mistake of saying like "ma'am" or you know, like gendering somebody without knowing. And one of the things that I talk to people about when they say when they come like approach me about. Um, anything to do with pronouns, right? Is that like, oh, well, it's mm -hmm. difficult and it's all these things. And I'm like, I get that. You're not gonna, you're not gonna get it overnight uh, because we have been so indoctrinated into this binary system. However, it is up to you to do the work. And part of that work is to start catching yourself as you're internally gendering people in your head. And so one of the things that I have put into practice, and I'm still working on it, is to, when mm -hmm. I see a stranger, I don't automatically go, oh, he over there, or that lady there. Um, I generally try to, like, if I catch myself doing that, I will stop in the moment in my head and reframe it, and rephrase it with mm -hmm. they. Um, and and it's, it's, when you're trying to learn something new in a system and a world where you have been where we have all been uh, colonized into this, you know, like, well, I am part of the colonizers, but like, you know, we've, mm -hmm. we've been, we've been trained and indoctrinated into this, into this very specific system. It's not going to happen overnight that we undo that, but we have to, we have to take responsibility as those of us, as all, like everybody, because you also never know how you're going to connect with gender afterwards. But you have to take the yeah. effort to to start calling yourself into those conversations. It starts with you. You know, like I, we we had, um, I have been outspoken about trans rights for a while. But again, I'm an I'm a cisgender white lesbian. And I, you know, I only have so much perspective. Um, and I try to share the perspectives of other people and the, and the lived experiences of others. Um, but there's only so much that I know. And... And so I, you know, we had a we had a staff member come on uh, last summer through a through a, a summer jobs um, position, and um, and their pronouns are are they them? And I and I caught myself slipping up on it because I wasn't used to actually addressing somebody in front of me, and and I just mm -hmm. had to correct myself and move on. 
right? And it was yeah, you know, um, so the thing about being non-binary, especially, uh, is I just have to be a professor of gender studies. I just have to be, but also like you can tell the difference. Like we can tell the difference between someone who is trying, oh, yeah. and like, but their brain misfires, and like someone who is misgendering us on purpose like the the difference between those two things is very obvious it's mamming someone eight times while you're selling them a burrito that's not necessary right i think there's a lot because of you know the rights like fear mongering about you know being canceled oh my god fucking conservative fear mongering <laughs> right there's so <laughs> there's so much but there's so much fear that yes. people have about being incorrect because and i think it comes from a well-intentioned place yeah. they don't want to hurt people unintentionally and they know that they don't understand but like you know i i just i just oh, i always want to tell people like you're gonna make mistakes yes. and that's fine yes just like correct yourself very quickly and move on you know um <laughs> if someone points out that you use the wrong pronoun or even if you catch yourself using the pronoun just go they sorry and like just like because when you when you have that moment of like oh my god i'm so sorry i'm so sorry right now it's now like it's so yeah. you've misgendered me and now you're making me feel better about you yes. misgendering me great okay that's the thing we're doing so don't do that but also like any non-binary person or any trans person or anybody who's going through some kind of gender journey where they have changed their pronouns, we get it. It takes time. My own husband, like, after a year now, he's fully on board. But definitely, like, it took a couple months for him to be, like, consistent because, like, we've known each other since we started dating a, maybe a month before I turned 18. So, like, like more than half my life yeah. we've known each other. Um, and I was using binary pronouns. So I like, you know, and that's the example that I give people, yeah. you know, it was like, it took my husband three months to like, stop using binary totally. pronouns for me. And, <laughs> and he lives with me, right? So it's just like, it's cool. I think we I think one of the things and I mean, I speak about this a lot when I speak about activism in general, um, and, and about like changing perspectives on things in general. Uh, but we're so, we get so caught up in this fear. And, and again, as you said, that fear is, is well-intentioned. The problem arises when we let that fear paralyze us. And one of the, one of the things that I constantly tell people when trying to bring, again, like my activism, my very specific brand of activism is trying to bring other white people into the conversation, um, in, in the chance that they will actually listen to me. <laughs> but, uh, one of the things that I say is, okay, that's fine if you're learning right now, but you can't only be learning. You you have to start doing. And and the biggest comment I get is like, well, I'm I'm really worried I'm gonna make a mistake. And it's like, you're gonna make mistakes. You could you could be learning for 10 years and you will still make mistakes. You will make mistakes. I have been a terrible activist over the years in many ways. There are things that I look back on from five years ago that I'm like, oh, that was very self like very self-serving. Um, that was, oh, that was the wrong perspective to have on that thing. Oops, glad I've evolved. Like we, I have been called out on having opinions that are problematic. And, and it's just, it's part of the process. But when we let ourselves get paralyzed by this fear that we're going to say something wrong because we don't want to hurt somebody, we end up hurting people. And, and so this, mm -hmm. this, this deep, and I get that the fear comes from this fear mongering from, from 
especially from conservatives and and um, and very right thinking individuals um is that like oh you're gonna make a mistake and you're gonna be condemned and canceled forever because you know even though that's a world we created that's definitely gonna happen to you um and i get that that's where it comes from and i get that we live in a world where as you know viewing ourselves as good people we never want to hurt others and it can be really paralyzing the thought of doing so but you can't prevent yourself from hurting people you can Mm -hmm. rectify it and and learn how to move forward and but you have to have the uncomfortable situations where you make mistakes to be able to do that um and hence we circle back to lateral violence Mm -hmm. uh andrew i would feel bad about talking over you a lot if i didn't know you in person (laughs) and know that you are very loud dude andrew and i talk Uh, over each other all the time (laughs) (laughs) it's like honestly half like another portion of my editing goes to Picking which one of us is actually has the continuing thought in the situation and yeah. silencing the other one so it doesn't sound like we're just competing to talk over each other. Cool. Okay. Uh, so circling back to, you know, um, that actually brings us back to lateral violence because um, it's something that we also need to remember as queer people. Being queer is traumatic. And when you have trauma, it's not always possible to be your best self. It's just not. Uh, especially during a pandemic, you know, we're, we're, we're hanging on the raggedy edge. Those of us who've been in the lockdown for 15 months. Um, and we need to remember, like, just as, you know, we're telling, uh, the straights, you know, you're going to make mistakes. (laughs) That's part of the process. We hold each other to such an impossibly high standard. Um, and you know, which you know, was part of why I mentioned, like, I was very afraid of how I would be treated on Twitter as a trans creator by other trans people. I have been, I hate the word canceled. It's the only word that applies. I have had people try to cancel me for being like, hey, maybe we shouldn't use tactics literally pioneered by Gamergate on other trans people who made a mistake. Maybe that's bad. Uh, And then they tried to ban their friends well they got a bunch of their friends together to like block me all at the same time and try and convince other people to block me and it's like whatever i am a survivor of the twitter wars to the point that i'm like bye see yourselves out uh but like not everyone has that luxury and like so here's a story that i like to tell about making mistakes and like how sometimes making mistakes can actually uh help us be have more understanding and like be better allies. So um, I was in a situation where um, I was helping co-organize a game space at a game convention. And um, there was another organizer who um, was a very tall uh, person of color. Um, He he was Indian, um, very tall, like deep voice, very similar to Andrew's voice, actually like very like natural projection. And so very tall kind of imposing and you know there was feedback that came back from some folks about how um this person was too imposing you know and like but i was also someone who passed on that experience because i actually had an experience of um you know i was walking past trying to get to my table to run games at the beginning of a slot and there's a big crowd of people and so he spoke up very loudly to impose order on the situation but because of my bad experiences with men like 
I have a lot of trauma about being shouted at by men. So, um, and because he is tall and imposing, um, I found myself being very like, ah, so unfortunately this is when I thought I was a woman as well. So, uh, it was bad. Um, I was also one of the people who was like, yes, the, the, the tall brown man was scary and brown and it got back to him uh that you know not just me but other people were saying this and he wrote some really eloquent stuff on social media about how much it sucked being just a brown dude trying to live his life and having people especially white women um be like scary um and i was like oh my god so i immediately reached out to him i was like okay so you are not obligated to respond to this um i want to say i'm sorry uh, if you like, I will own my comments, because they had remained anonymous to this point. I will own my comments publicly and apologize. Um, but if you're okay, can I share the context of why I made those comments? And I was lucky that he said yes. And so I shared, like, my trauma around being, you know, a, a person at that point who was presenting female um, in gaming spaces. And some of the things that had happened to me, um, like I had uh, previously been sexually assaulted at a gaming convention. Um, so, uh, yeah, <laughs> so there are reasons why I find men scary in certain situations. Um, and, uh, we actually had a really good conversation. Um, and, you know, I helped him understand an experience that he hadn't been able to access of, there are performances of maleness that are frightening for good reason. Uh, but, you know, he also helped me understand about how, uh, why it was important for me to sit with that first impulse and ask myself, is this a justified impulse? And like, maybe complaining to the organizer about the tall, scary brown man who's just doing his job of trying to get people to stop crowding the front table and, you know, wait their turn. Um, maybe that wasn't the appropriate thing to do. Um, and, you know... Uh, that was a really important moment in my process of learning to be a better ally. Uh, and that said, I won't claim to be perfect. I literally two days ago was real tired and just fucking head up. And I, I posted a bad take on Twitter. Uh, and a friend of mine was like, hey, maybe that's not a good look. And I was like, oh, oh, yeah, you're right. Okay. So I deleted, I deleted the tweets. And it's like, it doesn't have to. We've said yeah. it here and we will repeat it as many times as is necessary you are okay to make mistakes so long as you are willing to change when presented with new and corrective information there's no harm in making mistakes just be prepared to be a better person if someone says that what you're doing is wrong or problematic yeah and you know uh that's like the lesson for the people making the mistakes but i just it, i wish it was something we remembered as queer people as well like we definitely have a tendency yes. to be like you've made one mistake, so now you are cast out forever. Whereas, like, um, you know, uh, oh god, I don't... <laughs> Remove the specific reference if this causes problems. <laughs> okay. Um, so ContraPoints is a trans YouTuber who has said things about gender that not everyone is a fan of, and has been raked over hot coals by non-binary people and other trans people. And, you know, She's trying to talk about, like, complex shit on her channel. And, like, people are... God, the level of, like... 
rhetoric against contrapoints is like on the one level but these same people will like tie themselves into mental pretzels to defend critical role where like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna yuck anyone's yum if you like critical role cool but like they have problems like big blatant really obvious problems and the same folks will walk right past the problematic white guys to crap on the trans person who um you know in contrapoints's uh case like i don't even think she made a mistake she just was describing her subjective experience of being marginalized by straight people and like didn't choose her words carefully but like she was still describing an experience that she had that was true for her you know specifically the case was she was talking about pronoun circles and how she doesn't like it when cis people use pronoun circles to clock the only trans person in the room um oh right yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah and that was that was you know so some non-binary folks got real head up about that because they were like well pronoun circles are the only thing that keep you know i need them to make sure cis people use my correct pronouns and, and it was just like okay but like <laughs> she wasn't making a prescriptive statement she was just talking about her experience yeah that's so interesting so. to me because uh, like my first thought when you said like when you said that was yeah i mean cis had white people do that all the time in without realizing that it outs people in the room and i think that like i would love for it to be common to the point where it didn't out people yes, in the room but we're not there yet in a lot of spaces yeah it's why like um pronouns in bios and email signatures I think that's a much better way of doing yeah, things. I agree. Or um, I've been to events where um, everyone um, had pronoun ribbons that they would put on their badge. Uh, and, you know, there would be the standard ones and then there would be like uh, write-in ones and they would have Sharpies if you wanted to. And, you know, um, there was a while where I was trying on they, them pronouns where I had both and I would mess around with the order of operations, which one's on top and see what felt more comfortable for me. Um, you know, so it, it's definitely a thing of, I, I like, I at least prefer when there are nonverbal ways of introducing pronouns, um, but that's, that's a process. And, and like everything, in, and, that, and that's just it, that was the exact words I was going to say is, it's a process. <laughs> like everything, like uh, figuring out where you sit on the gender expression spectrum and the sexuality spectrum and everything. It's a process. You're not going to figure it out in a single day. There is no magical switch. You get to go and flick and poof. You're there. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it is a journey and all you need to do as a friend, as a generic person in society is just accept and roll along with those processes and let that person live their life and just, acknowledge that they're trying to be their authentic self and you just need to respect that period uh i am going to retrieve my spectrum marketing person hat from the other side of the house and maybe put it in the room next <laughs> and maybe put it in the room next door but not on my head uh when i mentioned that uh you know if any of listeners uh find any parts of any of the 301 aspects of this conversation confusing um I actually got to write and publish uh, a terminology reference and media style guide uh, as part of my work. Uh, and it's, um, this makes it sound longer than it is. It's 30 pages, but it has lots of like, <laughs> it has many pictures 
and graphic <laughs> elements to make it easier to understand. But yeah, it covers like everything from 101 terminology to like 201. Talk about something this way, but not this way uh, to even some 301 kind of topics about here's here's some unsettled questions in the queer community that we're still talking about. Are poly people queer? Uh, that was that was an interesting one, actually. I'm a um, I'm a monogamous person, so um, I got to have some interesting conversations with some of my poly friends it's, uh, about that one. That's but, yeah, that's an I mean, and not something we'll be able to flush out today, but that is a really interesting. Like when we talk about the queer community, and we talk about the intersections with uh, people who are heterosexual but um, have a different way of uh, loving that is not the monogamous quote-unquote standard shouldn't be the standard but um mm -hmm. you know like do is the queer community then encompassing that and it's that is a very complex and interesting conversation because it also crosses over these intersections of of how people feel how like of safety um and but but then also like it's problematic because it's i mean I'm going to say download the resource guide yeah, yeah, because yeah. Yeah. you should download the resource guide. But where I, where I landed was um, what I heard from my friends who are queer and poly and particularly my friends who are non-binary queer and poly um, that being poly magnified the consequences of their queer marginalization. Uh, it served as a multiplier. Uh, but yeah, I definitely like, I understand people's reservations. So um, I think it's just one of those things where we kind of have to, uh, again, not be prescriptive about things and like respect people's self-identification. Um, I also want to take a quick and like, second if... here to acknowledge Polly as a multiplier. <laughs> I'm just... <laughs> I mean... I'm... Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's true. Thank you. <laughs> Um, yeah, and that might that might mean that a couple people sneak into queer that like we don't approve of, but you know, like we should chill. Uh, yeah, I mean that's too much gatekeeping. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, uh, it's right. That, like I, I just, it, and I mean like I so I just I struggle so much with any sort of gatekeeping and policing and 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 the lateral violence that happens between like just constantly everywhere within the queer community, because it's like, this was supposed, like, how do we go from trying to create a safe space for people who are not uh, heterosexual, you know? Um, well, can I, can I answer that question? That implied question? Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm going to give the most depressing answer. Uh, how it happens is, um, the generation that should have connected the young Zoomers who are attacking people for using queer to describe themselves on TikTok. Um, boy, is that a distressingly successful turf psyop. Um, anyway, so the generation that should have connected the young Zoomers who have fallen for this turf psyop and uh, the elders who came before them is gone. Uh, like, Andrew, you're a bit younger than I am, Bronwyn. I don't know how, how old you are, but um, I'm going to turn... She's a couple years younger okay. than me. Uh, I'm going to turn 40 this year. Um, and 
I'm really conscious of the fact that like I grew up on the tail end of the AIDS epidemic. So that generation that should have connected me to the generation before them, they just don't exist. Um, between uh, AIDS and the trans suicide uh, epidemic, the reason why we have these fights in the first place and these like the reason why TERFs are able to just get us fighting amongst ourselves is um, because we don't have that connection to our own history. Um, because quick, quick interjection sure. here too, just for any of our listeners who may not know, TERF stands for TERF, uh, Trans Exclusionary Radical Feminist. Um, yes, and there is some controversy about that because they're not actually feminist. However, TERF is the only acronym that everyone recognizes. Yeah. Um, some that. people have proposed uh, FART, uh, Feminist Appropriating Radical <laughs> Transphobes. Oh my god, yes! <laughs> yes. Uh, which I personally love, but I always use TERF for clarity, yeah. so. Uh, sidebar. Um, so yeah, um, we don't teach kids in schools, as previously mentioned. Um, so if people don't learn about it in school, and they're not learning about it from their community, because the people who would share that lived experience are just gone, um, then that's, that's how we get there. Um, you know, uh, the, the young generation, unfortunately, doesn't have the connection to their history that, that should be there. Yeah. I mean, so speaking along those lines, um, I do want to touch on one more point and Ash, get your take on it, uh, before we drag on to sure, yes. this episode, but <laughs> also if it runs long, whatever, it's pride month, y'all. We told yeah, you we, we do pride our stuff, way. So. <laughs> Right. <laughs> uh, speaking of schooling and education, uh, thoughts on the current situation with the Catholic school board, as you and I are both hell-raising ex-Catholics, uh, actually within the Waterloo region, agreeing to fly pride flags for the month. What? What, what, what are your thoughts on that? Okay, comment? I want to be clear that my Spectrum hat is now going in the garage. Uh, <laughs> if not across the street, these comments are purely for myself. Yeah. Um, I experienced a lot of, uh, just to put my position into context, I experienced, um, I went to Catholic school growing up. So I experienced a lot of transphobic bullying. I didn't recognize it as transphobic bullying until about like two years ago um, for being a gender nonconforming child. I was bullied for not performing girlness correctly. And my teachers didn't stop it. So I have feelings <laughs> about all of the ways in which my Catholic upbringing, both through the church and my experience of Catholic education. Now, admittedly, Catholic education in the United States, but um, my experiences of Catholicism in Canada and the United States have been absolutely interchangeable. Yeah, I mean, so I don't know that a meaningful distinction Catholic can be Catholic school was atrocious here too, so. <laughs> um, the Catholic Church <laughs> taught me to hate myself in ways that are deeply damaging yeah. and um, that I, I can never overcome. So am I going to thank the Catholic school board for flying the flag for doing the absolute bare minimum of human decency. No, uh, no, I am not. Um, especially given how badly they handled the issue last year where they're like, well, we're going to make a flag that has Jesus and lots of people in oh. rainbow colors, but like, 
I had blocked that from my memory. That's not <laughs> it. Can we also address too it's the um, member of the board, the trustee, oh, yeah. who was problematic last year, uh, <laughs> stepped down this year partially yeah, yeah. due to the fact I shared that a thing. There's actually sorry. there's actually two of them, right? So that's the other piece okay. of it for me. I'm especially not going to um, like praise you for doing the bare minimum of human decency when two trustees like actually stepped down over this issue and then even literally on my drive home um from picking up some takeout because i'm sick of cooking um uh heard um not from our area but it was um a bishop uh from halton i think on an interview with cbc who was spouting the usual party line of like well, look, we don't hate queer people. We just uh, we can't say that we approve of their lifestyle. Uh, oh my god! <laughs> only broke out the queer lifestyle on CBC in 2021. Just... Um, and and this dude was a bishop, right? So, um, yeah, I I am not about to praise yeah. the school board, uh, especially given that I'm sure that uh, the church fought them kicking and screaming. Um, but, it, oh, but again, the these are, community. these are my deeply, extremely <laughs> salty, uh, opinions based on my experiences of growing up Catholic. Um, but they're still totally relevant here yeah. because, so the other reason I brought this up is because I'm now seeing someone else I know who works within queer spaces in KW posting information to a counter protest because there are protesters or there is a protest that is set to happen in wealth and this protest is over the fact that catholic school boards will be raising this flag so not only is it damaging within the school system and within the church this still exists here in I mean, our fucking so, backyards yeah. within the catholic this community. is this is why i have such complicated thoughts on it is because the decision to raise it is necessary for this reason um because there is still so much bigotry <laughs> In this right so we can acknowledge it mm -hmm. and we can say that uh yes it is about time yes. um but, but at the same yeah. time we can say i'm not gonna thank exactly. you for it don't exactly. expect me to be grateful and also if you're gonna step down because of it like don't let the door hit you on the way out yeah bye get the fuck out like <laughs> i shared the thing that that like there was a i think kw rising posted it on instagram it was this like oh board trustees stepped down because of partly because of this decision and i literally shared it was like bye <laughs> like what the, you, you want am i gonna cry over that no thank the fuck that you are stepping down with your like old catholic like perspectives on on gender and sexuality and like being LGBT and like, regardless of people's religious affiliation, whatever he thinks Jesus said about it, which was nothing. Like I just, it's, it's just, it's re these debates are re traumatizing for everybody in the queer community. And even more so for people in the queer community who also have religious trauma on top of their queer trauma, their queer trauma. It's, mm -hmm. and that's a huge number of LGBT people. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually, uh, uh, so I was in a five year program, but only had about four and a half years worth of classes to take. So I ended up getting really into theology in university, weirdly. Um, 
mostly the professor uh, had a great professor um, and uh, took a bunch of theology and was really like, wow, like theologically, like Catholicism is like, according to like the theology of the Catholic church, not the practice, but the theology. Uh, I'm, I'm really Catholic. That, that is like the best fit for me and my beliefs, but like the practices of the Catholic church do not live up to church teachings and specifically with regard to, um, the ongoing marginalization of queer people, you know, yeah, I, was saying, I, was uh, I could, I, I could have a, I, I could, I could start <laughs> breaking out yeah, theology, yeah. but uh, that would, that would be like another hour minimum. So I will not. I, I, I will say that I was actually having a conversation with my dad today about um, the church and it started not because of LGBT um, issues, but because I was, I was talking about how the recent news from Kamloops has made me just think about like, I've called myself a proud Anglican before and, and pretty recently. And I mean, I am in a, in a lot of ways, but to be a proud Anglican, much like if you're going to be a proud Canadian, you have to acknowledge the past. And, and I was telling him how, you know, it really made me think about, you know, I have a, a phenomenal priest and a phenomenal church and a phenomenal uh, like um, congregation. And I'm very privileged to have that because I have a dad who's a priest who was always very forward thinking and always very affirming. And because of him, I was able to find like-minded people here because he connected me through colleagues. Um, so like that is absolutely a privilege of mine. And I'm an anomaly in terms of my, you know, my experience with religion being so positive. And again, that is an, an immense privilege. Um, but part of that is me always being able to separate my faith from everything else, right? Like, I, yes, I am a Christian. And yes, I do believe in God. Um, and yes, I do enjoy going to church for my current church, but I can also not go to church for a decade if I can't find the right one. And if I can't find a, a priest who's actually willing to speak out about these issues and, and mine does like, she actually mentions these things in her homilies and she's very specifically talks about LGBT issues and very specifically talks about anti-capitalism and, you know, like all of these. And, and this is the thing is that like, as a, as somebody who grew up in this type of religious environment and, and uh, the older I get and the more religious trauma that I see in other people, which is pretty constant and everywhere, <laughs> um, especially within my circles, I just think like religion in general, well, people, yeah, religion, because religion is run by people. Uh, we have ruined... <laughs> religion for people like the fact that I was able to grow up in this environment and separate those things and be able to think critically about my place in religion and 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 how it harms others even if it has been good to me I, I no, it feels like nobody else is able to do that or very few people are able to do that and it, it so I want to be I want to be careful I because that's a talking point I've heard from lots of queer folks mm -hmm. um I want to be careful to draw a distinction that it's not religion in general it's white western religion. sorry i should i should specify also white christianity thank you <laughs> yes yeah yes thank so you. um and that's yeah. um and i want to be clear that like that's a conflation that happens because of uh how queer people in our part of the world experience religion and religious trauma so um but yeah so that um yeah um 
back to specifically the issue of the Catholic Church. Um, you know, I when I came to Canada uh, in 2006, that was when um, gay marriage was an issue. Um, and I literally went to every Catholic church in the city because I had been kind of had a similar experience to you of when I was going to university. I was really lucky to go to a very progressive um, university parish. And I would have kept being Catholic if I could have just <laughs> taken them with me, but they were in Ohio. So that wasn't an option. Um, but yeah, I, I literally like I wanted that to continue. And I went to every church in the city and every church in the city um, just week after week after week. The priests were giving sermons about how like letter writing campaigns to protest the legalization of gay marriage. Um, and, you know, so we're not even we're not even seeing an acknowledgement of some pretty recent history, you know, like. I mean, on the one hand, 15 years ago, or 15 years is not, like, it's a long time. But on the other hand, like, given the context of, you know, it's not that long. Um, 15 years ago, they were having letter writing campaigns to protest, you know, the breakdown in society that would happen. And, like, clearly it didn't. That did not happen. Um but we're still here where it, it took them, you know, and, and now you've got people rage quitting the Catholic school board over, you know, you're going to throw a scrap of validation at the people that we have um, taught to hate themselves for so long. So, yeah, those are those are my very salty, <laughs> not at all official opinions. <laughs> I also want to, I, I do want to say, um, thank you for correcting me on that. I don't realize sometimes that I am saying religion when I mean Christianity and that's a problem that is problematic. So thank you. Um, and the other point I was going to say was, uh, I, I have a tendency sometimes that I actually had to acknowledge in my last relationship, um, to sometimes steamroll conversations when it comes to religion um, without meaning to because I have had the experience I have. And I think it's because I get like really excited um, to, and in this context, excited isn't really the right word, but I think I just get really passionate about it because, um, because I understand how, like how not ordinary my own experience was, but then I don't realize that I'm also steamrolling and talking about religion in ways that I are talking about Christianity in ways that maybe I shouldn't be in certain spaces. Um, so that is a piece that just like, as we were talking about it and as I was talking specifically about it, <laughs> I was thinking in my head, like, yeah, I'm doing that right now. So anyway, that was just an acknowledgement for me. So thanks for pointing this out. Right. <laughs> uh, and I also want to say to you, Ash, that like you, you say that it's your, your own, bitter, jaded experiences, uh, you know, however you want to phrase it exactly, but they're valid. Mm -hmm. the, the entirety of what you feel and what you've experienced is what has led you to having those feelings. It's 100% valid. And we need to hear about those experiences. And when I say we, I mean, we as in our, our listening audience, uh, other people need to keep hearing the stories, keep understanding where and why it's problematic because we still have again i literally just said there's a fucking protest happening in guelph we still have people who are fighting queer visibility and 
We need to hear those stories. We need to share them. We need to understand them. And we need to actively work to uh, acknowledge that the lived experiences of people (laughs) are valid. What the listeners can't see is me taking off my glasses and pretending to just lie down on the floor. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, no, are you? No, I'm fine. I'm just, I'm so tired. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's fair. Okay, well, we'll we'll wrap this up with one final thought from you. Uh, specifically, we'll ask, what would your ideal hopes be for the younger generation in regards to the LGBTQ community moving forward? Um, that's a good question. So specifically for the younger generation, um, I would say uh, become aware that um, that there's so much that is being hidden from you in school that you need to be aware of. And that like, uh, just because someone is able to sound really passionate and sound very reasonable about certain things online, doesn't mean you should listen to them. Um, TERFs have some real compelling talking points until you do the work of educating yourself about the logic behind those talking points. And then specifically, um, the, the laws that they're advocating for using those talking points, doing things like these laws that are happening in the United States, um, you know, banning uh, trans children from getting trans medical care, banning trans people from using washrooms, banning trans people from participating in sports, um, things like that. So yeah, um, for the younger generation, I would just like develop an awareness about you know, you, you, you have to like really, uh, realize, um, how much you don't know. And like, that's not your fault. Um, it has been deliberately kept from you. Um, but you know, in doing that education, you really have to be careful, um, and kind of be willing to deconstruct the material that you find. Um, because you know, there, there are people who want to take advantage of that lack of knowledge um, and really like weaponize you against, um, you know, older people in the community. Um, and that, you know, you shouldn't have to be in that position. Like it sucks. Like I, I want to be clear. I'm not, I'm not yelling at, you know, you kids to get off my lawn. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm sad for you that that is the experience that you have to go through that, you know, I got to my mid thirties without learning anything about queerness or identities or issues. Um, and I'm sad that like so many young people are having that same experience of, you know, the, our education and our culture just failing them on that point still. Um, yeah, it sucks. It does, but hopefully it can get better in the future. Uh, If you want to hear this and more from Ash and their hot takes on (laughs) everything, uh, life in general, and sometimes it's salty and sometimes it's just entertaining as fuck to read. Ash, where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, So my handle... If you want them to find you. No, it's fine. My Twitter's public. Um, uh, So uh, my personal Twitter, I don't have a work Twitter, but my personal Twitter uh, is uh, at... Wonder Geek, W-U-N-D-E-R Geek. Um, you can also find uh, my role-playing games at peachpantspress.com uh, and the um, 
Howl's Moving Castle inspired uh, tabletop role playing game about uh, happy queer romance and found family um, is uh, available for like maybe another week uh, for pre order on Backer Kit. Um, there's a link to that on my Twitter profile as well. Um, and if you're someone who's interested in tabletop role playing but haven't done it before, uh, this is a good one for you to try because this is actually, I, um, it's written for people who have played lots of tabletop to people who have played no tabletop and everyone in between. Um, yeah. I'm gonna, I think that's everything. I'm gonna have awesome. And of course, you can also check out Spectrum uh, for your. Your, your recent post breakdown, I uh, forget exactly what it's titled. Yeah, so if you go to rspectrum.com uh, slash 101 hyphen terminology hyphen guide, uh, you'll get to uh, the 101 terminology guide that I mentioned that covers everything through like 101 terms through mm. 301. This isn't settled issues, but here's the way the conversation is going kind of stuff. Um, and uh, uh, you can also follow Spectrum uh, on Facebook and Twitter uh, to find out about, uh, oh my God, we're running so many events. <laughs> I'm very tired. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're, we're doing a lot of cool events um, for Pride Month as well, so. And Bronwyn, it's your turn because I'm a mouthpiece. Uh, plug your <laughs> socials, would you? Uh, yeah, so uh, everybody can give... Ash a follow, and then they can hop on over uh, to Sibling Rants Pod on Twitter and Sibling Rants on Facebook and Instagram. And uh, if uh, if you feel like leaving us a review, we'd really appreciate it. It helps us out a lot. You can do it on Apple Podcasts and just hit the five stars. Or if you feel like actually writing something, we would love it, but it's not necessary. And then on Facebook, you can leave a review as well. And we would very much appreciate it. Um, so... And we'll yeah. give you shoutouts. Yeah, we will absolutely give you shoutouts. We have a little thing on Instagram, a little highlight where we put all of our uh, our reviews. Um, and uh, yeah, so uh, leave us a review and keep listening and follow us on our socials and uh, and we'll see you next time. And Ash, thank you so much thank again you. for joining us really today and kind you. of recounting your experiences. Amazing having you here. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Okay. All right, y'all. Stay tuned for the rest of Pride Month. It's going to keep being queer as fuck. And until next week, I don't know. Oh, also, P.S. <laughs> to all of our listeners, Andrew and I are roommates next week. So, <laughs> fuck yeah, we Until are. then, bye. bye.